Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the nearness of the Lord's kingdom as we pick up in Isaiah chapter 56, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Shall we turn now in our Bibles to Isaiah 56? In Isaiah 55, the Lord speaks of this glorious, everlasting salvation and the glories of His greatness, His power. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. The blessing and the power of the word of God, as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven returns not thither, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so is my word, the Lord declares, that goes out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but shall accomplish that which I please. It shall prosper in the thing in which I sent it. Now as we get into chapter 56, The Lord is giving to us more or less some of the conditions of our being a part of that everlasting kingdom and salvation. Thus saith the Lord, keep ye judgment and do justice, for my salvation is near to come and my righteousness to be revealed. Now, even at the time of Isaiah, There were those encouragements to doing the right thing in light of the fact that the Lord's salvation was near. All through succeeding generations, God has wanted, I believe, each generation to live with that consciousness of the nearness of the coming of the Lord's kingdom. Now, Peter tells us that there would come a day when men would begin to scoff at the nearness of the coming kingdom of God, declaring that all things have just continued as they were from the beginning. But Peter says of this they are willfully ignorant, that God did upset the world at one time in judgment by sending the flood. They, they are willfully ignorant of, of God's intervention by catastrophe. And then Peter goes on to explain that God is not slack concerning his promises. That is the promise of the coming kingdom and the establishment of a kingdom of righteousness. He's not going to fail in that promise, but that he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So the reason for the delay, God's waiting for man's turning to him. Now, when we were living in Prescott in the first church that we had, we had a very fascinating lady who, as far as I can recall, never did attend our church, but professed to have a great love and interest in my wife and I. And she was a very interesting character. She had spent many years in China as a missionary and was a nurse at the Whipple Veterans Hospital. And I would start to talk to her about the nearness of the coming of the Lord, and she'd say, well, yes, I believe the Lord is coming very soon for me. 
She said, I'm getting up into the years and I won't be around much longer. So the coming of the Lord is very soon for me. And she had that kind of a concept of the nearness of the coming of the Lord. Well, in a, in a sense, that is very true. God's coming for each of us is soon. None of us are going to be around here too long. And if he does not come collectively for his body, the church, even so, our time on earth is so short. What is life? It is as a vapor that appears for a season or a moment and then vanishes. It's like the grass out there in the field, which today grows up and flourishes and tomorrow is dead. And so is the short span of our life, especially when you compare the time that we are here with eternity. So the span of man upon this earth is so short. And yet in this short span of time, my eternity is being established. My destiny is being determined in this short time that I am here. That's rather awesome to consider. So it behooves me to spend whatever time I have walking with the Lord, serving the Lord, and in a total commitment of myself, my energies, my life to him, because time is short. So for Isaiah to be saying, hey, the time of the Lord is close. It is for each one of us. The time of the Lord is always very close. And thus we should live with that consciousness, knowing that I have only one life, and it will soon be passed. And only what I do for Jesus Christ is going to last. Everything else is wood, hay, and stubble. Everything else is going to burn. Everything else is not going to have any value at all in the eternal realm. That which I've done for myself, that which I've done for the community, that which I've done for the muscular dystrophy or whatever, not going to last. The only lasting things are that which I have done for Jesus Christ, for his glory and in his name. And so time is short. This is a perpetual message to each generation. Your time is short. Now, how does God want us to live? He wants us to keep judgment and do justice. God wants us to live a fair and honest life. God doesn't want us cheating. God doesn't want us conniving and taking advantage of someone else. God wants us to do the right thing. Do justice. Keep judgment. Do the right thing. That's what God is, is asking and requiring of us. And surely... That is not too much to require, and that is a reasonable requirement from man. What a glorious world this would be if everyone treated each other fairly, honestly, justly. But that is not the condition of the world, you say, and you are so right. We find that there are always men who are willing to take an advantage of their position 
and gouge someone else because they find that they have them at an advantage. It is always a fearsome thing to be at a disadvantage to another person because you can be sure that they're going to take every advantage that they can over you. Look what they're doing now with the oil. Knowing that we need the oil so desperately, they're taking advantage and they're just hiking the prices and becoming inordinately wealthy. So much money they really don't know how to spend it or what to do with it. And yet, there is a world that is suffering and in need, and the third world is actually being destroyed and starving because of these people who have taken advantage of the fact that they possess the oil in their nation and that the world is short on oil, and so taking advantage of that fact, they are gouging the world, totally disregarding those unfortunate people who cannot afford the inflation that has resulted from the increased oil prices. But that's only one example, and, and not to just point at one group. That is so common with human nature. If you get in a disadvantaged position, there are men who are willing to take advantage of you. Jesus said, woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, because they were taking advantage of people. They were taking advantage of the little widows. Woe unto you lawyers. They were taking advantage of people's ills, of people's problems, and becoming rich over other people's problems. Man is not fair. God wants us to be fair. And so God cries out for justice and for judgment. Because he said, my salvation is near to come. And blessed is the man that does this. Now, God just sort of pronounces a man who will be fair, a man who will be just, a man who will be honest. He will be blessed of God. And the son of man that lays hold on it, the person that grabs this concept and says, yes, I will do unto others as I would have them to do unto me. I will be fair. I will not take advantage of a position that I may have of, of superiority or whatever, but I will be fair. God is always for the underdog. God is always standing up for the oppressed and for the poor. And if we are guilty of oppressing people or impoverishing people, then we will find ourselves opposed to God. Blessed is the man that keepeth Sabbath from polluting it and keepeth his hand from doing any evil. Now, the blessing upon the man that keepeth, keeps the Sabbath, keepeth the Sabbath. The Sabbath is an ordinance that God established with the nation of Israel as a covenant with that race of people. When God gave the law of the Sabbath back in the book of Exodus, God declared in the giving of the law that it was a covenant between him and Israel forever. Verse 16 of 
Exodus 31, wherefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. Now, God established circumcision also as a perpetual covenant for these people. But the Sabbath covenant was not placed upon the Gentile world nor upon the Gentile church or Christians. And yet, a man needs a day of rest. And we would probably live to be much healthier people if we would take a day of the week off and just stay in bed. Really rest on the Sabbath day. And that's what the requirement was, just really to rest give the body a chance to sort of recuperate. But these people, as we will find in a little bit, weren't always keeping the Sabbath as they should. They began to make it a day of pleasure and recreation, which it seems that we are very guilty of doing also. Except that the Sabbath is really Friday night sundown to Saturday night sundown, if you want to be technical. We worship the Lord on the first day of the week. Now, in the early church, when they sought to determine what relationship the Gentile believers had to the law, they determined that they should not put upon the Gentiles the yoke of bondage, the law, which they were not themselves able to keep. And so in writing to the Gentiles to tell them their relationship to the law, that is the church, the Gentile church, they said, just keep yourselves from idols and from things that have been strangled. And if you do this, you do well. Now, later on, Paul even modified that a bit when he wrote to the Corinthians. And he said, when you go to the butcher shop to buy your meat, don't ask the butcher was this meat offered as a sacrifice to an idol? He said, because if he says yes, then you'll have a hard time eating it. So just don't ask any questions. Just go and buy the meat and don't ask any questions for your conscience sake, and then you're not worried about it. Because we, he said, everything is sanctified through prayer, and, and it really doesn't matter, except if in your conscience it begins to trouble you, then it becomes a real problem for you. So for conscience sake, just, you know, when you go out to dinner and someone lays a steak in front of you, don't say, did you offer this steak as a sacrifice to an idol, you know? Uh, just eat what is set before you, asking no questions, he said. Just enjoy it. And, um, you know, it isn't that which goes into the mouth that defiles a man. It's that which comes out because the heart is revealed by the things that come out of a man's mouth. There was nothing said to the Gentile church concerning the Sabbath days. So Paul, writing to the church in Rome, speaks about those who were weak in the faith who were vegetarians because they could not eat meat. They were fearful it might have been offered to a, uh, as a sacrifice to an idol somewhere. And so they became vegetarians. But he that is strong in the faith, he eats meat. Now, let the one who doesn't eat meat, don't let him judge the one who does. And the one who does eat meat should not be condemning the man who doesn't. 
It is so easy for us to fall in the trap of thinking that everybody should live as I live, do as I think, how I would love to run the world. You know, and tell people that which they can do and which, that which they can't do according to my own conscience. But Paul said, I am not to judge a person who has greater liberty than I have. Because before his own master, he either stands or falls, and God is able to make him to stand, much to my amazement. <laughs> so, in writing to the Colossians, Paul said, Don't let any man judge you in respect to meat, or into Sabbath days, or holy days, or new moons, and so forth, which were all a shadow of the things to come. For the substance or the body is of Christ. These things were all a shadow, keeping the Sabbath days, keeping the, the festivals and so forth. They were all a shadow of the things to come. The real substance is of Christ. So that the Sabbath day was just a shadow of, of what Jesus is to us, for he is our rest. And the Sabbath day was a day of rest where you just rested. So Christ has become our Sabbath. We are resting in the work of Jesus Christ as regards to our salvation. I'm not trying to get out there and hustle and work to be saved. I am resting. Christ is my Sabbath. He is my rest. And the whole Sabbath day celebration was looking forward to Jesus Christ, the substance, who is the rest for the believer of God. And we all are resting our salvation in him. And, and that's what the whole thing was about. So as we read of the Sabbath day, we realize that Isaiah is addressing himself to Israel. It has nothing to do really with the Gentile, the Gentile church. For in the Gentile church, as Paul said, one man esteems one day above another and another man esteems every day alike. And we esteem every day alike. Every day is the Lord's day. I get up in the morning and say, well, Lord, this is your day. What would you have me to do today? And every day is alike to me. I don't look at the calendar to see what day of the week it is. It's the Lord's day. My life is his. And no matter what the calendar may say as far as the day of the week, it's all the Lord's day as far as I'm concerned. But blessed is the man that will keep justice, do judgment, lays hold on these, keeps the Sabbath from polluting it, and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Neither let the son of the stranger that hath joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord hath utterly separated me from his people. We shouldn't think that we have been separated from the people of God. But God is really, in Christ, Paul said, has broken down that middle wall of petition that used to exist between the Jew and us. And he has made us to all partake of the one body in Christ. So I'm not to say, well, I've been separated from God's people and think of myself as, as separate from them, but really we have been grafted into the root that we might partake of the fatness and the fullness of God's blessing and promise to the nation of Israel. Neither let the eunuch say, Behold, I'm a dry tree, 
For thus saith the Lord unto the eunuchs that keep my Sabbaths and choose the things that please me and take hold of my covenant, even unto them will I give in my house and within my walls a place and a name better than the sons and daughters, and I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Now Jesus speaks of there are some men that are born eunuchs, there are some who become eunuchs for the kingdom of God's sake. That is, men who refrain from marriage in order that they might better serve the Lord. Paul the Apostle would probably fit in this category. Now, we think of a eunuch in a very strict sense of the word. Uh, I do not think that the Bible uh, really looks at it or is looking at it in the strict sense of the word. I think it is a man who just determines to live a uh, celibate life for the sake of the kingdom of God. As Paul the Apostle writing to the a Corinthian church encouraged the men, if they were able to handle it, uh, to live as he did for the sake of the kingdom. For he that is married uh, seeks how to please his wife, but he that is unmarried can just seek how he can please the Lord. We'll continue with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Isaiah on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Isaiah 56 when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and bless you and strengthen you for this week. May the anointing of God's Holy Spirit rest upon your life. And through His beauty, may your life shine forth. May God cause the fullness of His Spirit to rest upon you. And may your life be a strong testimony and a witness to those around of the grace and the love of our Lord. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Every year, Pastor Chuck used to give a prophecy update to prepare Christians to be ready to give an answer to anyone who wants to know what the Bible says about the future. And right now, The Word for Today would like to offer you resources that will help you comprehend and unravel the scriptures that pertain to prophecy. 
such as Pastor Chuck's commentary on the book of Revelation or a collection of DVDs that relate to Israel, the rapture, and the Holy Spirit in the last days. I encourage you as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to become informed about what the Bible says about the soon return of Jesus Christ and to be able to share your faith with others. For more information about resources concerning biblical prophecy, call the Word for Today at 800-272-WORD or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.